I mean, you can definitely make it from wherever. You just got to take it upon yourself to create content and find people in your location to create that content. And obviously, digital platforms are going to be your distribution channel. And how can you create content that can then reach the people in those major cities? From American Immersion Theater Headquarters, ladies and gentlemen, prepare to immerse yourselves in the American Immersion Theater Podcast with your hosts, Scott Frampton and Anessa Johnson. Greetings, Immersioneers. I'm Scott, the Maverick of Immersion Crampton, and this is my co-host. I'm Anessa, Experiential Theater Fairy Godmother Johnson. Welcome to On Acting, the American Immersion Theater podcast. On this show, we teach you to be a better actor. But to be a better actor, you have to realize it's not just about acting. It's about, it's about in- interacting. interacting. We're better at that when we're in person in the studio. So sit back and relax <laughs> as we teach you the American Immersion Theater method. And today, Anessa, is a very special episode because we have one of my favorite authors on. Anessa, you want we to sure do. Yes, today we have Brendan Kane. He is a business and digital strategist for Fortune 500 corporations, brands, and celebrities. He's advised for brands such as MTV, Skechers, Vice, and Ikea, and he's built online platforms for Taylor Swift and Rihanna. And you may know him as the author of the book, One Million Followers, How I Built a Massive Social Following in 30 Days. So thank you so much for joining us, Brendan. We're excited to be talking with you today. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Absolutely. So um, let's get down to it. We talk a lot about actors and obviously you have worked with some of the more influential people. Uh, Let's go with a broad, broad stroke. What is one or two ways that if you're an actor, you're trying to put yourself on the map, how are you going to do that? How are you going to get to to this 1 million followers? Well, I think first and foremost, you've got to understand the mindset of a casting director, a producer, a director, and why they cast certain people and why they look at social media as a, as an indicator to take somebody more seriously or consider somebody more for a role. It's not to say that that's their only determining factor of how they're making a decision, um, but they definitely take it into consideration. You know, I started off in the entertainment industry and I still have a lot of uh, friends and contacts that are producers, um, directors, screenwriters, and they will definitively tell you that when they're in the casting room, a casting director will let them know if they do have a social following and they do look at it at a closer look. And why is that? It's because making films, as you know, is a considerable investment and they need, and it is a business at the end of the day, you have to get a return on investment from the, the, the content that you're putting out there and producing in order to continue to make films. Uh, so when they look at somebody with a large social media following, they look at it as a, a validation or credibility metric to say, okay, by casting this person in this film, we have a better shot of potentially marketing it because they have a built-in fan base of people that are, are more likely to go see the film once it's released. Uh, so that's, first and foremost is understanding why it's important, how people are looking at it. And from there, then you can start understanding, well, what is the best way to leverage social media? And there's a few ways to look at it. You can look at it from building followers, or if you're a director or a screenwriter, um, you can look at it as just producing a short film uh, and and generating considerable visibility or virality around that. I know 
a, a bunch of filmmakers that have taken that route and have leveraged that for success in, in terms mm-hmm. of garnering and capturing attention. Uh, but I like to start there because you got to understand why you're doing what you're doing. If you don't, you don't understand the principles of what's behind it, why you're doing it, what the outcome of it is. That's typically when people fail uh, with any type of growth on social platforms. So one thing that I found a lot is most people I'm finding, uh, you know, if you talk to newer actors, they're just trying this kind of maybe shotgun approach. They're trying every possible way to uh, gather followers, just doing anything. You know, one minute they're, you know, on a soup kitchen. The next minute they're, you know, j- getting out of a pool half naked. Um <laughs> how how do you uh what do you tell people who are truly just saying I'm entering LA, I'm entering New York, uh obviously post covid and what do I do to try to gain more followers? Well, first and foremost, everything comes down to content. Is content leads to followers and content leads to engagement and reach in the algorithms. So even if I gave you a million followers tomorrow, if you didn't have a content strategy and really solid content formats, uh, then ultimately it's not going to pay off because you're going to get suppressed in the algorithms because there's so much content that you're competing, competing against. When you look at yourself as an actor, you're no longer just competing against other actors. You're competing against every other piece of content that's posted on social media. You're competing against the Kardashians. You're competing against ESPN, LeBron James, Um, every other piece of content that's posted to Instagram, YouTube, whatever it is. So you've got to really look at it from a strategic landscape is what are you going to do to stand out? And one of the first places to start is creating references. And we do this all the time with the clients that we work with is study the market. And you've got to exclude the outliers, exclude the, the rocks, the, the, um, uh, who else? Like Taylor Swift. Taylor Swift, because they're at a whole nother level at this point. You know, you start with people that you know in the you know few hundred thousand followers to a few million followers that you know have grown their audience just on social media, and study their formats. What feels right for your brand? What plays to your strengths? What plays to your weaknesses? Because one of the biggest things you've got to understand is you've got to you've got to enjoy the content that you're creating, and I don't want you to create content to game the system. Is create content that is fueling your passion, fueling your strengths, and mitigating your weaknesses. Um, because, like you said, people will go to a soup kitchen or they'll be in a bikini shot or something like that because they think that that's what's going to work, and it's not really playing to their strengths and different differentiating themselves in the market. So, really get a firm understanding of what other people are doing, studying it, breaking it down of what's working, what's not working, and then applying those principles to your brand. Do you think that you, when working with, let's say, Taylor Swift, for example, was that part of her strength was reaching out to her fans individually and you kind of just highlighted that for things like Swiftmas, stuff like that? It definitely did. I mean, uh, when she first started, she was doing as much one-to-one interaction as possible um, because it was more feasible. You know, at, at today, it's not as feasible to connect with each fan one-to-one, but what the way that she, you know, supplements that is, is that she will still go to a, a fan's baby shower or a wedding or a birthday party. And then that's turned into content that's then syndicated out to her fan base to show that she still cares. Uh, and it's not about manipulating the system. It's, that's genuinely, genuinely 
who she is and what she's about and how she wants to pay it forward back to her fans and connect with them. She was always kind of like, uh, that model is almost like this, you know, new millennials, um, Bill Murray aspect where she just pops up places. And I think people find that so uh, immersive and so endearing in a sense. And I think that's very, very cool. Um, so do you feel like with the pandemic, is it getting harder or easier to start gaining followers? Is it getting harder or easier to break through right now in a obviously news cycle wise, you know, half the, half the people could light themselves on fire and it's not going to make a news cycle, but for Instagram, more people than ever, but does that make it harder or easier? I don't think it, I mean, I don't think it necessarily makes it harder. I mean, the only thing that could potentially make it harder is more people are on social media. So more people are posting, but I don't think it's any harder than it was before. I mean, the algorithms are designed to do one thing and one thing only, and that's to push you know, content that's going to keep people engaged and keep people on the platform to the top. So if you're creating content that fits that mold, then you're going to have success. And I think one of the beauties of actors and filmmakers is one of the, the, the things that we find to be very successful on social media is narrative storytelling. Um, because a lot of people aren't doing narrative storytelling and uh, going back to what the algorithms are looking for, they're looking for content that people are spending a longer period of time with. So what does narrative storytelling do is, as you guys all know, a, a story is a beginning, middle, and an end. And typically when you start to hear the beginning of a story, if the story is good, you want to stay through to the end to see what happens. So you will see um, narrative filmmakers like Darman uh, just absolutely explodes. Jay Shetty does some narrative storytelling. And the people that, that really play into narrative storytelling uh, for their content formats have a lot of success because it builds retention. It hooks people in. It's like if you can just think back to childhood of telling your parents telling you a a bedtime uh, story, they, once the, the, the parents start that story, you want to hear through till the end of that story. Same thing with a film. A majority of the time, once you tune into a film, you don't turn it off. Yeah, unless absolutely. The film is horrible. And the same principles apply here is, is like, if you can get into that storytelling process and get good at it, you will get more reach from the algorithms. They'll push it to more people, no matter what platform it's on. And that correlative effect will then generate followers or subscribers or, or generate the audience that you're looking for. So that's where I go back to the strengths is if you are an actor, you are a storyteller. So use that strength to your advantage. So when we're talking about social media, we talk a lot about branding. Um, what kind of advice would you have for someone who's still kind of trying to figure out what their personal brand would be? I, I think that personal brand and branding comes after you gain traction. Uh, mm -hmm. Creating a brand and figuring out your brand before you have an audience, before you know how to create content, I think is putting the cart before the horse. To me, it's mm -hmm. how can you make a piece of content go viral? How can you get a million, 10 million, 50 million people to watch a piece of content? That should be your focus. Not how do I create this ultimate brand? And you see this with all all the most successful actors, they don't start out figuring out what is my brand going to be. They focus on how do I create a piece of content? How do I get into a great film? Once I'm in a film, how do I maximize the potential of that? Then from there, then the brand starts to unfold. 
But if you're an actor just starting out, or if you're in any profession, you don't start with the brand. You start with the piece of content. You start with making something successful, and then you build off of that. That absolutely makes sense. So we, we have precious little time, and we have so many actors that listen to this that are truly new. So let's say an actor moves to... Let's go farther back, actually. Let's talk about an actor. They're you know graduating from high school. Uh, what? But they're they're dead set. They want to do acting, or they want to do music. They want to do something where their social media is going to be incredibly important. They come up to you. They say, "What can I do to help? What can I do to start right now?" Make content. Make, Make content. content as much as you possibly can. You cannot be a successful actor. You cannot be successful at social media. You can't be successful at anything unless you're creating content. So for actors for specifically, it's like if you move to LA or you move to New York or in any city you're in, who's making content around you? Who's like, for example, like here in LA, one of the big things that happened is, um, and I think they shut it down, but there was a complex here where all the influencers moved in together yep. to collaborate to create content together, to cross-pollinate audiences. The same thing with you as an actor going in, starting out, who's making content around you? How can you get involved in their project? And it may not be starting out as an actor. Maybe it's starting out as a PA. Maybe it's starting out as a writer or something else. But the, the, there's no secret to success. The, to acting or to any industry, you create a compelling a piece of content. You're, you create a compelling product and that's what you build the foundation off of. It's, it's, there's no secret sauce to it. But without taking that first step, then, then you're, you're ultimately not going to win. And a lot of actors will sit out there and say, well, I'm just going to wait for the right role to come around. I'm going to wait to get cast in that big feature film. You're going to be waiting an awful long time. Like it, it just, you got you to gotta really hustle it and just create as much content as possible and find your way through that way. I, I have to say, I love hearing that because we talk so much about just start, stop planning, just actually start. So uh, it's really good to hear you kind of reinforce that model too. Um, I think so much people build these this anxiety and God knows right now, you probably have free time. You're probably not going out right now. You probably have the time. This is the right time for, I think, in my opinion, now is always the right time to start. But now more than ever, right? Who doesn't have free oh, yeah. time? Who doesn't perfect have time to be experimenting and just see what kind of stuff you can come up with, what kind of stuff works. And I think that a lot of people forget, you know, like you were mentioning, start with a PA or start with a smaller role. I think a lot of people forget that it's so important that you give yourself the option to walk through the door before you can dictate what you're doing inside of it kind of a thing. Yeah. Um, I mean, that was the biggest frustration that I had with film school is I would get in fights with people in film school because they were like, oh, it's all about the art and everything needs to be perfect and I need to wait for the right role. And, stuff. and it's like, first off, it's a business and it's based mm-hmm. on, you know, people complain about being based on connections. Well, what do you expect? People are going to hire people they like. People are going to hire people they trust. You look at those ecosystems of like Judd Apatow's crew yeah. um, or like Adam Sandler's crew is why do they have the same people in the movies is because they came up with them. They like them. They trust them. They've had a good experience with them. And I can definitively tell you, even working on big budget films, there's a lot of talk about the actors that show up 
that are professional that do their job and the actors that aren't. And it doesn't matter how big of a star you are. If you're a pain in the ass, you don't do your job, they won't rehire you no matter how big you are. And it's the same process starting out is who, who is your inner circle? Who is your Adam Sandler inner circle? As you get started on the ground with other filmmakers that are starting out at your level, or you, you volunteer your time for people that maybe are like one or two steps ahead of you and forge those connections. Um, but taking that first step and that incremental step uh, in, in this industry is, is critically important to your success. There's something I really wanted to ask that seems like the perfect transition. So there's a point in time in your book where you talk about you did some stuff for MTV and they introduced you to Taylor Swift, for example, and they helped, you know, they helped basically facilitate you becoming even bigger. So can I just ask, how does a transition like that actually look from the inside? So you're sitting around and they just say, Hey, you want to work with Taylor Swift or he's a nice guy or were you getting beers? How, how does something like that happen? Because that is a huge sizable transition. Well, it happens because you have something of value. Okay. I built a technology. I licensed it to MTV. The technology had immense value to MTV and had immense value, or they felt that it had immense value to somebody like Taylor Swift. So they said, Hey, do you want to go meet with Taylor Swift about this technology? I think that they could use it. And from there I said, yes, but it wasn't, I didn't go into MTV and say, I want to do a deal with you because I want you to introduce me to Taylor Swift. Yeah, yeah. Because that's not, but you say that as like common sense, but you'd be surprised at how many <laughs> that's fair. in the entertainment industry, they go into meetings with what am I going to get out of this person? And that just doesn't work. It's like you, I go into every meeting and every conversation is where can I provide value to this person? What is it that I can offer them that helps make them more successful, that makes their life easier? And by doing that, it naturally unfolds to introductions, to products and things of that nature. And same thing goes for actors. You do a great job in a short film, you'll get referred to other people. It's like um, casting directors bounce from film to film, producers bounce from film to film, directors bounce from film to film. And that's where they start referring and recommending people and things of that nature. True value is really what it is. And I'll be honest, in all this time, I almost never hear that. It's always, I uh, take them out to drinks. Uh, you know, I bought them this cigar case, whatever. Uh, I really like hearing that it's the value of the product and the person of what you can offer them. Uh, yeah, anybody can take you out to drinks. Anybody can buy you dinner. Anybody can buy you a cigar box. That's, to me, not really unique value. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people forget that too, that it needs to be what you can offer to benefit the situation. A lot of people know if you're going into it with ulterior motives and if you're actually looking to get something from it other than just working with them and have that experience. People can see through you immediately, especially in this industry where if you're talking about a casting director or producer, they're probably getting approached a hundred times a day. So they see who's in it to get something out of it, who's there to really perform, who's, who's there to offer value, all of that. Mm-hmm. I think you touched on another really important point during that as well is it's, it also is really important what kind of person you are to work with. It's not just what you can offer. I Even here in Michigan, I've met countless people who very much think that they are the solution to the problem, but they don't actually want to show the person how they can help them. They're just like, hi, I'm here. I'm great. You want me. Um, 
and you need to be able to have that relationship where you can also show them, I not only have the talent, but I also am a great person to work with. I'm not going to be the diva. Um, yeah, I think that that's really important. And it's another thing that people very often forget is it's not just what you do when the cameras are on or while you're on stage. It also is really important to be a good person and be easy to work with and be dependable. Talent is such a small percentage of the equation. It's like, you got to show up and do like, for example, like look at uh, Robert Downey Jr. And his story of getting mm-hmm. into Iron Man. Nobody wanted to touch him because of his past, of all the things that he went through. And he had to you know, beg and fight his way in with John Favreau to make that happen because they believe now he, Robert Downey Jr., as we all know, has all the talent in the world. Amazingly but, talented. But he, it's a huge risk. Now, it did pay off because, you know, John Favreau and Robert Downey Jr. fought for it to make it happen, but they had to fight really hard to make that happen. So, and he's one of the most talented people, but because of his checkered past, that was a huge risk to look at. And again, like I've been a part of these conversations. I've been around dinner tables with big directors, big producers, and you hear who's a pain in the ass to work with, who's not, who's professional. And oftentimes those people that are professional and easy to work with will beat out the more talented actors um, because of that fact. Because making a movie is hard work. It's hard to do. And nobody wants to be surrounded by somebody that's going to be a pain in the ass. Mm -hmm. A lot of people come here. And as we wrap up, because I know we need to wrap in a minute here. A lot of people come to this podcast to be motivated, to try to say, I'm going to take this next step. So I have one question that I'd like you to finish with anything you want to say to all of our young actors here, any kind of motivation. We often call it motivational minute. But uh, let me ask you this. Do you need to move to one of the major hubs, so to speak, the LA's, the New York's, the San Diego's, uh, the Atlanta's, or can, or can you make it from your Wisconsin's or Idaho's or whatever? I mean, you could definitely make it from wherever. You just got to take it upon yourself to create content and find people in your location to create that content. And obviously, digital platforms are going to be your distribution channel. And how can you create content that can then reach the people in those major cities? Because uh, most of the films are made in those, those major cities or the decisions around it. So you know, there's a few ways you can look at it. Is you can create that content, make it go viral, make so much noise that the casting directors, the producers and directors find out about it, or strategically you can leverage uh, and create content that's compelling, that's generating some traction online. Maybe it's not generating hundred million views, but maybe it generates a million views. And then use Mm -hmm. that piece of content to reach out to casting directors, producers and directors to do it. Um, I I will say that there is never one way to be successful. Mm -hmm. So if anybody tells you, you have to move to LA or to New York to be successful, it's not true. Can it help? Sure. But it's not, there's, I mean, there's, especially in the world that we live in today where we're all connected through digital and social platforms, you can live anywhere and have tremendous success. You've just got to figure out what is the best way to do it. Now, again, can it help to be in those ecosystems? Yes, but it also can be a detriment to you as well, because when you go to LA or New York, there's so much saturation with people in in the entertainment industry, all fighting for the same things. And sometimes being mm-hmm. on your own in your own small bubble can, can help stay focused and, and keep you on the path. 
This has been an absolute amazing interview. I truly, truly appreciate your time. Um, as a quick note, if you have not checked out Lovebirds on Netflix uh, with Issa Rae, please check that out. They're a fantastic sponsor. Uh, it's an amazing, amazing movie. Our apologies to them because we're running out of time. Maybe we'll put something over in post. Um, it's so, hilarious. Uh, Watch it. There you go. Brendan, is there something, how can people contact you, get in touch with you, learn more about what you're doing? Uh, they can learn more about me and my website. It's brendanjkane.com, Brendan, B-R-E-N-D-A-N. Uh, they can check out the book uh, or they can direct message me on Instagram at Brendan Kane. All right. Fantastic. Thank you so much. And that is a wrap. So this is Scott for Thank American you. Immersion Theater, reminding you that theater is a story about others. American Immersion Theater is a story about you. Good night. Good night. If you'd like to hear more about American Immersion Theater podcast, subscribe on iTunes or Spotify. To be our friend and ask us questions on Facebook, just search American Immersion Theater. Finally, if you're looking to be a part of the AIT family, visit us at AIT.careers. That's AIT.careers. Thanks for listening, and remember, nail guns are dangerous.